All right. Welcome again to another edition of the Hoop Form NBA podcast. Back at it once again, Adam Elder and Ben Slykerman present and ready to bring you some quality NBA content. It is the New Year's special edition here at the Hoop Form, and we got a great show planned for you guys. So absolutely cannot wait to get into it before we do. Obviously want to wish everyone um, uh, uh, happy holidays. Hope everyone's holiday went very well. I uh, hope everyone's Christmas and however they celebrate was great. You know, it was for us at the Hoop Forum. The annual jersey swap once again took place here. And Adam, as we, as we currently speak, I am sitting here in my brand new Giannis Antetokounmpo jersey. The purple Giannis jersey. As you know, I also purchased you a wonderful Giannis jersey as well. So the city edition, sitting here looking at it right now, hanging on the wall, looks so much better in person than it does on TV. I have to say that it is just so nice to look at, refreshing to look at even. Yeah, this purple but one looks so much better in person too. The Yeah, the purple one is ridiculous. Let's... Well, last year we got the Jamal Jer- Jamal Murray, and the year before that the CJ McCollum. So now, right now, looking pretty nice. And then I also have the random Demar Derozan also hanging on my wall. So I mean, Not we have some fine. we have some yeah exactly some nice you know not too deep cut NBA jerseys here. I mean Ben also has like. All three of your jerseys are probably a number one jersey seller in the league at the time. You have LeBron, Luca, and Giannis. Yeah, the collection is getting nice for sure. It's going to be awesome in like five, five or six years. Oh, yeah. See which ones we got. Because you know there's going to be some guys that are coming up now that we haven't even thought about buying a jersey for. They're going to be popping off. So You know what jersey I want, honestly? And I wish he played better because I feel like I'm just destined to have a Gary Trent Jr. jersey. I'd love to have like a well hold hold pat on that because you know Toronto's gonna fucking blow it up. So <laughs> wait for his next year. Absolutely disagree with that. Absolutely. Well, nonetheless, uh, to recap the Christmas Day games here, um, we had 76ers versus the Knicks, Lakers versus Mavs, Bucks versus Celtics, Grizzlies versus Warriors. Suns versus Nuggets. Most entertaining game for me about all those was the uh, nightcap of Suns and Nuggets. Uh, of just an absolute fucking phenomenal game. Um, definitely a thriller. Uh, Grizzlies Warriors was probably the biggest upset, of course, um, because Steph eh, is not present. Not really. I don't think that was really an upset still, though. Well, if you believe in John Morant, then I'd say it's an upset. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe in John Morant, but I don't know. Like, there's just so much under the exterior that's going on during those Memphis and Golden State games nowadays to where, you know, it gets chippy. And of course, on Christmas Day, they had a stage to do it on. So I felt like that was the, the pace of the game. And plus, you know, Desmond Bain, had, I think that was his first game back from injury, actually. And as far, I mean, as far as I know, Christmas Day was the first time that the big three of Memphis got to play on the floor at the same time together, which is crazy. But yeah, it was just a, I don't know. It was a little bit more of a shutdown game than I thought. Jordan Poole's just been absolutely out of control as well. So yeah, absolutely fucking lights out, dude. 
I think we both agreed the 76ers versus Knicks was the most boring game. Um, a lot of sloppy basketball, kind of bogus calls as well. I think it's kind of tied with that Grizzlies and Warriors game. Yeah. It was just, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I can stress it enough. I'm over Philadelphia personally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just bored. I'm bored with them. You know what I mean? Um, you know when I'm not bored with them, actually? When Shake Milton and DeAnthony Melton are on the floor together. Mm-hmm. I actually, I love that around Embiid. Yeah, but that's one of those things that's not like actually real. You don't think so? I think that's just solid, if anything. Philadelphia just has a lot of good guards, but like, yeah, I'm still unimpressed with them. Well, and we have a more recent Knicks performance that we need to discuss too, so I won't really hark on the Knicks yet. Uh, Boston upset Milwaukee, which I don't, it's not really an upset. You don't think so? I don't, it's starting to be a tradition for Boston and kick their ass on Christmas, so I, I really don't think so. Yeah. Giannis was taking a lot of mid-range that t- game too and just didn't look as, yeah, as completely aggressive as like possible. It's just hard on the, it's got to be hard on the body to be going against the rim 18 times against Boston's defense. You know what I mean? But he was making a lot of those mid range spot ups and I was enjoying watching that. That and the 51, <laughs> 51 point third quarter by the Mavericks. That was insane. Christian Wood was losing his mind. I mentioned it earlier, the Phoenix versus Denver Nuggets game. Um, when overtime, uh, Jokic just fucking monster triple double. Uh, ended up being <laughs> one twenty eight to one twenty five. Um, Jokic put up forty one fifteen and fifteen. Oh my god! Eighty third career triple double. Just insane. And a- Aaron Gordon in that game was fucking lights out too. Yeah, Aaron Gordon. like six lobs. <laughs> People have been on the Aaron Gordon is an all-star campaign for a minute now. Look, he's not actually going to be an all-star, but he's a fringe all-star. He's an injury all-star. Yeah, a replacement. If he keeps playing like this. Yeah. I mean, he's he was living above phenomenal. the rim for Jokic, you know? The thing is, is and we knew it when they got him. I mean, this this is what you... This is the ceiling that you have with this guy, which is awesome because there can be some nights where when Jamal is on, you know, Aaron Gordon might be the third, fourth option, depending on what Michael Porter Jr. has done. So to just have this guy who is your third or fourth option, but can be your second option on some nights, especially during a grueling 82 game season, like that's a nice luxury to have. And you know, me and you both wish it was, Portland that would have got this dude but <laughs> yeah 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 would have been a great fit but I don't know then you butterfly affect it into not getting like Jeremy Grant stuff you know but I don't know yeah point being is Denver was just uh, they're they're seeing the full extent of what this man's capable of oh yeah and it couldn't be a better fit and we've been saying that from the jump with him so love to see him balling out on Christmas all right, with that being said, Adam, enough with Christmas. That is coming past. It's now time for the new year. The new year is here. This is uh, January 1st, as we're kind of in the mindset of uh, having some New Year's resolutions. So for today's segment, we're going to take a look at three teams each here and offer up a resolution for each team 
in terms of what we think they could change about themselves uh, for the second half of the season here in order to achieve their highest goal, whereas most teams... Or lowest goal, honestly. Yep. Most, yeah. most realistic goal. Yeah, most but depending on what they're trying to achieve, right? I mean, right. honestly. I'm not going to lie. Going down the list here, a lot of them, I'm just like, there's no goal. It's just tank. It's just tank. Like, there's no other option for you. And, like, just to throw out a hot one right now, I'm like, what does Minnesota do? Well, Adam, I think it's awesome that you'd say that because my first resolution here is for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So let's talk about it. So I'm going to kick off on this with something a little bit more, like, positive for the team, I guess. And I would say that, I think it's time to give Anthony Edwards full control of this offense. I think it's time to think about trading D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> yeah. Cue probably. my resolution. So you messaged me earlier saying that they can't trade cat. Why is that? Uh, I haven't been able to completely confirm why they cannot trade cat, but he is ineligible for trade. I agree with you. I mean, Anthony Edwards is, is the guy the other night he was going head to head with Zion in a fucking absolute knockout game where they're literally just throwing haymakers against right. each other. Right. Had a nasty dunk. Like this is your guy unequivocally. The cat situation is what it is. I think you obviously have to write it out for the rest of the season. He can't be traded for whatever reason yet, yet to be determined. Uh, nonetheless, that's not going anywhere another way to clear up space for him, I guess. And, and just more possessions would be moving off of the Andrew Russell. That being said, you don't want to completely rid yourself of, of a ball handler, handler, especially one who knows how to run the pick and roll. Um, like D'Angelo Russell does. Uh, so that's a valuable thing you don't want to lose. Um, but I think you're just at a point where what other asset do you have to move besides him? I don't know because like, some of their other guys that looked good last year are looking kind of mid as well. Like Jalen Noel, he has not been consistent at all. And they had another guy, Jordan McLaughlin that was able to play some like Jose Alvarado, like minutes for them, like come in and play like, you know, the 11 minute role. And like, there was getting at least something out of that. And I don't know. I like part of me is like, okay, you, I realistically, I don't think you're going to bench cat. And move out to where you have four wings around Gobert because that's what they did in Utah that won them games. And then you have a guy like Edwards that can bring up the ball probably at least half of your possessions, get a halfway traditional point guard there around them. Like, I don't know. Like you even see a guard like Austin Rivers and you're like, that could be a starting two for them. Even with the system they want to run around Gobert, like, they have enough big guys. They have, um, what's his name? McDaniels, Jaden McDaniels. And I'm pretty sure he's just coming off the bench right now. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. And then, and then, I mean, they got rid of some of the guys that helped them make the push that they did last year in the go bear trade. And you Vanderbilt just- hurts. Honestly, Vanderbilt is a small ball five. Exactly. And he would work really well in this situation with uh, Anthony Edwards. And it's just kind of, 
unfortunate because what you're getting on your team with the go bear situation is just not what you expected in return for all those assets you gave up, but your hands are kind of tied and where to go. I mean, I came up with some trade ideas here. I'll run them by it to see what you think. Um, first one, I think is kind of a throwaway. It just kind of works salary wise. I said, what the hell? Um, would you do, <laughs> would you do Tobias Harris straight up for D'Angelo Russell? No, I feel like that's going to just intensify their problems. With Harris. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you're trading, your probably your best guard. If you're calling Edwards a forward and <laughs> getting another big guy, another big forward, who's now like, questionably even down to the fourth best player on the team. So what if you somehow work in like shake Milton or something? Okay. I like that more a little bit because shake, I feel like shake is a backup point guard. When I watch it backup point guard and shooting, just a swing man. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's going to bring that element off the bench, but they still need a starting point guard is what they really need. They need a guy that can just basically as Low, you know, assist to turnover ratio. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's tough to find guys like that because, I mean, it's not like they can just trade for Monty Morris out of nowhere. It's not like they can trade for Tyus Jones out of nowhere. You know, maybe they can get their hands on like a Gabe Vincent for something. And I mean, I don't know if like Miami would be able to poach one of those bigs. I mean, getting cats in Miami wouldn't be such a bad idea, but. Well, and the thing is, is I think the reason Russell's got to go is because I was looking at some of the stats here that are a pretty rough duty. And he's minus 59 this season individually. Don't like that. And then seven out of the 14 lineups that he's featured in are in the negative of plus minus. Ugh. And teams are plus six in offensive rating with below on the court. He peaked like in his like fourth or fifth season. Yeah, the thing that makes them interesting right now, though, and why I think they need to capitalize on the value is because he's an expiring contract and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next season. So it's kind of like, kind of need to sell on him right now. Next trade that I have here, I I think this one's kind of another throwaway. My last two will be a little bit more realistic. Something, and I, because I just don't think they're going to move this guy, but something for Colin Sexton, Kelly Olenek, some combination like that. I mean, that would be a home run is what that would be. To get that from Minnesota or get them into Minnesota? Yes, to get that mm-hmm. from the Jazz. I mean, the door's already open between you and the Jazz, so. Yeah, but I don't think that's going to be able to reconnect because Olenek, I don't like that fit for Utah because or for Minnesota because it's already messy enough with Cat and because Cat's a five. Gobert is a, the most five in the league. And, you know, then you're throwing Olenek in there. Olenek will play your your stretch five, though. Yeah, but, like, at that point, he has to play stretch four around Gobert. Cat's just not, seemingly not capable of doing that, but I don't don't know. That's That's what I mean. I think Olenek could provide some spacing around Gobert lineups that wouldn't really help. And then Sexton just running alongside Edwards. I don't know. I don't think think it happens, but... I don't know. I just feel like Utah's probably not going to sell on Sexton, though. They're, they're going to hold him close to the chest. They want him to work out like they want Markinen. 
Um, I don't know. Like off the top of my head, I don't know the money, but imagine reengaging reengaging like Chicago for something. Do you move like cat to Chicago for? Well, you can't move um, cat. Well, I mean, like in the future. What if this is? I mean, I don't know. I feel like they're going to be locked in. They have to be locked in this season. I don't think they're making deals. Like the thing with D'Angelo Russell, you said there, you have to, yeah, you got to try to sell high, but like his value is at an all time low right now. All his metrics, like you said, are just not showing well for any. You're the 11th seed right now. But like, who's going to one game back from not being in the play in? Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know anybody that's going to want to bite on that because maybe, I don't know. Because, so yeah, so let me give you someone who's it. always desperate to make a trade, the New York Knicks. Would you, would you do Evan Fournier? Cause you know, they want to get rid of him. Cam Reddish and one, one other young guy, Obi Toppin, who's been rumored to be available. Maybe someone else. Yeah. I would do that if I was Minnesota. Fournier sure. reddish topping. Yeah. Give him Russell. That's all they get back is Russell. And eh, Russell, maybe something else. What else would you want to let go? I, I mean, all that's going to leave open again is the point guard spot. So, I mean, I'm still comfortable though with Edwards taking up possessions. Fournier can probably reliably bring the ball up. Reddish is going like, to be a good fit. I think reddish. Yes, exactly. Because then all of a sudden you're putting out a nice perimeter duo between those two. I don't know. That's something that's interesting to me. That's the, okay. That's the most attractive destination that I can think of. So, and far. the Knicks would be dumb enough to do something like that. And I feel like the Knicks for some reason are desperate to get rid of Toppin and reddish. Yes. For whatever reason. I don't know. Like reddish just, more so I, than Toppin, but Yes, I'm like, uh, and and we'll get to them next uh, on my next resolution because they're my uh, my next team. Uh, we can do one of yours in between, but uh, we'll we'll definitely be talking more next. So we'll get to that. Um, let me give you my most uh, what I felt was my most realistic out of here, and it's a three teamer, which I know might be tough to justify as the most realistic, but I think you're going to really like this one. So we get Washington and Phoenix involved here. Okay. Okay. So the Phoenix Suns are going to send Jay Crowder to Minnesota. Okay. Kyle Kuzma is going to go to Phoenix from Washington. Okay. Washington's going to get Russell from Minnesota and Damian Lee from Phoenix. Minnesota is going to end up with Monte Morris and Hachimura in addition to Crowder. Okay. Yes. I like this for all sides. That's a dream. Because Monte Morris is that point guard that you're talking about, replaces right. that point guard. Right. And he's like, you know what I mean? He's just your above average backup point guard that's able to competently bring the ball up. And, and Russell injects more talent into Washington's starting lineup from the guard position. I feel like him and Beal together might be... Decent. Might be nice. It might be okay. Like, I mean... Pick I'm and roll with see. Porzingis is probably going to look pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah, true. I like that. And then, of course, I mean, the, the almost too natural fit of Kyle Kuzma on the Phoenix Suns. Oh, and they're, they're shilling for him right now. Oh, dude. I bet you anything. He gets in that Phoenix offense. He's shooting 43% on catch and shoot threes instantly. He's out, he'd probably drop down to like 16-ish points a game. But you know they'll be getting him to board the ball 
All I'm worried about is that they would be able to rotate that in. They're going to have to pay him Hopefully. in the offseason. Well, I mean, <laughs> if anything, this, this ownership group that just bought this team should be like, yes, we're ready to pay. You know what I mean? I would hope so. They're like, this you have a window. Doing. Right. I love exactly. this trade, though. Uh, it works out really well for Minnesota getting Crowder, Monte Morris, and Hachimura. Two wings and a point guard. I mean, how could you be upset? Right, exactly. And then just move off of like, hopefully try to move off of like Rivers, McLaughlin. And yeah, I mean, he, they, those players could be involved in this too. Right, yeah. Just get rid of the rest of that crud that's at the bottom of the rotation and replace it with Yeah, maybe Phoenix players. wants an extra shooting guard to just throw on the bench. Right, maybe Phoenix would be interested, yeah. Something it's for Cameron Payne. Will Barton? Will Barton? This. Yeah. Huh. Cam- uh, camp- I don't know. I don't know. I think that Phoenix wants campaign because he's a system guy at this point. Well, I was thinking, what if Monte Morris went to Washington? Mm. Or Monte Morris went to Phoenix and campaign yeah, went to Minnesota? That's too, that's just dreamy. Uh, yeah. That's too dreamy. Because that would actually actually piss me off because Monte plays for the Phoenix Suns and that would just salt my heart. I also wouldn't mind swapping out Hachimura for Corey Kispert for the Minnesota Timberwolves in this situation too, if Washington would be willing to do that. Kispert would be a nice fit on Minnesota. That's insane. There's your three that can catch and shoot. That's insane. More of a spot up shooter than Hachimura. Hachimura is not reliable from out there. Right. Not just, just an unreliable player altogether though. Right. Quietly. But that's why I think this would work more because Minnesota has basically taken them off their hands. Right. For the sake of getting Crowder and Monte Morris. I like this move. I feel like in each situation, each team is going to get a little better and be able to kind of clear something out. Right. Like, if I'm fix Phoenix, some cogs. Honestly, if we're talking about, if we're in talks with Minnesota, I'm thinking about getting Kuzma and Kyle Anderson in this deal. Kyle Anderson in Phoenix would low-key be a very nice fit at the floor. He's a guy that's going to be able to reliably handle the ball in their kind of offensive situation. Washington wouldn't mind having that veteran president on their presence on their team though, too. Yeah. But then it's just going to be four points per game. Kyle Anderson is a guy that belongs on a team. That's just excellent as like the ninth or 10th guy. Right. He's just your backup four that can Boris Diaw beautifully play on the Spurs in the locker room guy. Probably who knows, but but yeah, I'm done with that. I do like that trade. That actually like hypes me up because one, seeing Kyle Kuzma on the Suns would burn a little bit too because of yeah. the Lakers connection. But like Absolutely. And especially if like they get matched up in a play in game or like the Suns play the Lakers after the Lakers like make it out of the play in somehow, make it to the first round. Like Davis comes back and they win like eight out of 11 games or something, you know, <laughs> like just go on this stupid run and all of a sudden everyone's like, Oh, the Lakers are in the play in wins you play in games. And then it's against the Suns and Kyle Kuzma scores 26 puts them to sleep points per game. Yeah. Just like him and Booker and just, they shuts AD suck. down. Oh man. Does all AD right. Go ahead and throw out your first, uh, at that point, go ahead and throw out your first resolution here. Toronto Raptors. Okay. Toronto Raptors. This is an obvious pick for me in my mind, because this is the most talked about destination in the NBA right now. 
And I'm not going to lie, this is also one of the most bullish destinations in the NBA as well. They hoard talent. I mean, look at their entire team. Is it not just a team full of prospects? It is a team full of guys who are between 6'4 and 6'7. It's Project 6'7. Exactly. So, I mean, they want... They have one of the best stashes of wings in the NBA, kind of. You know? Like, Siakam is kind of a wing. OG is kind of a wing. OG is definitely a wing. They got Scotty. They have Gary, who's fine. You know, like... They got a couple of other project guys on the bench. I mean, like Boucher. I feel like Boucher would be good on a playoff contender. And I don't know, like Achua, good small ball five. They have been hurting losing him though, because then, I mean, you're losing your starter five minutes and they were already suffering at the five. And now they play Siakam at the five full time. But I mean, it's hard to think that they're really going to be making any deals. So my new year's resolution to them would be just Find, a, find the right deal and set, reset the market. Because my actual overall New Year's resolution for the entire league is to... Can you still hear me? Yeah, I'm okay. here. I'm letting you run it. My entire resolution for the league was to just rethink what value really is after this Rudy Gobert trade. Because we just spent the last like seven minutes talking about the mess of the Minnesota Timberwolves right now being that low, the 11th seed. And yet they paid five years worth of first round draft picks for their five who they're struggling to find fourth quarter minutes for. Like it's just unbelievable. And to think that now Kyle Kuzma is worth two first round picks and an expiring contract. Like it's just, it's completely kind of screwed everything. And I feel like that's going to put a lot of halt on some of these deals. Like that Hachimura deal and the three-teamer with, I mean, Phoenix, Washington, and Minnesota, like, it's a dream. But I feel like so many of those players, low-key, are going to be wanting to be touted for massive amounts of draft. There's going to have to be like eight draft picks in total that change hands for that kind of deal to go through. Right. And that's, I mean, that's the sad part. But yeah, Toronto. That lands me right where OG Ananobi is. And this market is OG Ananobi worth three to four draft, first round draft picks to the Toronto Raptors. That's what Zach Lowe thinks. Because they, they, they value him as probably a top 13 small forward in the NBA. And I'd say that's 20, being, that's being conservative. Conservative. You think he's up there in the top eight, eight ish. I'd say top 10. Top 10. I mean, it's good territory to be in. But yeah, are they going to really look at him and say that? I mean, are they, is there even a price for Siakam at this point? Because you know any competing team that can shed three to four good role players for Siakam, they want that. You're telling me if Portland right now, if Toronto called them up and said, what kind of deal can we do for Pascal Siakam? They're not saying Nurkic, Simons, and Hart, and two first-round picks. You know Dallas wants in. Dallas definitely wants in on it. And Dallas has got the expiring contracts. Right. Because they're throwing throwing Wood to Toronto. I feel like that's the obvious move. Wood is de facto Toronto's tallest player. 
and he's an expiring contract. Right. It just exactly. works too easy. Works too easy. They would want either Ananobi or Siakam, whoever's coming available. They want. Honestly, if I'm Dallas, I want Fred too. I don't mind. If you can get him. I think Fred would be a very nice fit in Dallas around Luca. I think he would be better than Brunson. He'd give you kind of that Brunson esque, right? No, he's going to be way more spot up three and be able to take guys off. Well, I don't know. They're pretty even at this point. I would say Brunson's actually a better overall player right now. But I don't know. Just whenever I think of Fred, I think of Fred just sizing up from three from the right right side, those exact Luca looks. And he would just be able to replicate that better than Brunson because Brunson was never that isn't that great of a three point shooter. Right. He's limited in that situation. But yeah, I like that. Siakam would be phenomenal alongside Luca. Yeah, that would be an absolutely fantastic fit. Uh, even better than the John Collins, the always rumored fit in Dallas. Right. You know, like Siakam as a number two. Just be more dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's my resolution for Toronto is just open the market. Make the right words. deal. Make the right deal. Open the market. Clean someone Set. out like Danny Ainge did. No. No, that's what I'm saying. We have to revolt against. Because at that point, how many draft picks do you think Anthony Davis is worth? I don't know. I would think a lot of teams would be out Four. on him. Chicago. Uh, that's what I was about to say before we started. This other one was how long before AD just goes to Chicago. With his tail between his legs, if he does anything. Uh, we'll go ahead and hit. Sadly. I'll hit you with my next one here. The New York Knicks, after suffering what was a historic loss <laughs> against the Dallas Mavericks, which we will absolutely discuss here, I think it's time. Tom Thibodeau's got to go. It's time. It's time. What is this guy bringing you other than just reckless refusal to play diverse lineups. Yep, exactly. Just you want to play. uh, I mean, surprisingly, he's moved on from playing Derrick Rose, but I feel like the entire reason he has a rotation is so he can exclude certain players from it. You know? Yes. Like, it's not like he's trying to build a good lineup. He's just like, I don't want you to play. I don't want you to play it. I don't want you to play. Yeah. It's all because it seems like it's all out of spite. Right. Like, I just, I hate that. And he finally got Fournier out of the lineup, Uh, but then consequently got Reddish out of the lineup for no fucking apparent reason. Yep. And it's just like, what are you doing, dude? The Reddish. uh, We are fully on the Reddish bandwagon here. You know, I'm sitting here looking up a familiar name to see what he's been up to lately. And actually, let's pull this up here. September 28th, 2022. Frank Vogel observing the Dallas Mavericks practice. I don't know about you, but that's a that's a nice that's a nice sight. Why don't he go observe the New York Knicks practice? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what I was hoping it was going to be was the the New York Knicks. But like that means he's on the prowl is what you're saying. Right. Right, I think he's scoping out right now. I mean, the Mavs probably aren't a bl- bad place to start, but like, yeah, because the Mavs might be a... He might want to start somewhere as a defensive coach, just as an yeah. assistant. 
nope, I think he wants, I think he should be a head coach. I think he would be able to turn the Knicks around because, I mean, look at the center rotation he was able to make around Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Look at what, how he made that work. I think around Mitchell Robinson and Hartenstein and Randall and he could make something out of Barrett. Right, right. He's got all these big wings to work with. Like, I mean, they should work. I think it would work, but let's get further into why Tibbs, I think, has to go. Um, In terms of that loss, dude, NBA teams were, oh, of (laughs) 13,884 games. In the last 20 seasons when trailing by at least nine points with 35 or fewer seconds remaining. And Tom Thibodeau and the New York Knicks team, as of right now, must live with that loss of epic proportions that has never been seen. Wow. Wow. 13,884 games. Wow. You love to see it, honestly. Because it's just classic New York Knicks lore of fails. <laughs> but it's the it's the, in the Knicks lore for sure. But it's also just the reminder that somebody has to be subject to Luca magic, right? Like Luca's just gonna be Luca. You cannot deny him. Yeah, sixty points. 21 rebounds. You're kidding. Like that's the part that blows my mind. What was it 10 assists? Yeah, 62, 21, and 10. And, and let's touch on Luca real quick here. Literally, no one's ever done this before. He, he oh except for God. James Harden. James Harden's the only one to put up a, a, a triple double, a 60 point triple double, but he didn't do 21 rebounds. I think he was no like kidding. 10 and 10 and 10, I think. Yeah. 60, 10, and 10, I think. Um, it's just uh, impossible. So Doncic put up a new career high in points for the Mavericks. Um, he put up a new career high in rebounds. Um, this is, there's been seven previous per 50 point performances in Mavericks history. Doncic has three of them and that's the most <laughs> in franchise history. He's only 23, 23 years old. 23 years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just insane. Just absolutely insane. This guy is obviously a top three MVP candidate, and they're sitting in the fourth seed right now in the Western Conference. They've won six games in a row, quietly. Yeah. Very quietly. Very quietly. The panic meter is starting to ease up a little bit with them for me, and I'm, I'm feeling I comfortable, think, but I don't want to get too comfortable. I think uh, it's because Jason Kidd has honestly broken and has decided that letting Luca and Wood play together and play off of each other is for the better of the team. Yes. Let and, them have chemistry. I think they want to play together. Right, right. And Kid was trying to play hard ass by, you know, instituting the defensive regimen. And Wood just sucks on defense. That's all it is. He's just yep. bad on defense. But he can just score so in rhythm with Luca. You love to see it. And he does it as a big man at 6'11. Right. Like it's perfect. Like he's a perfect rim runner too. Like he's a great lob catcher. Uh, but but to get back on track here with the Knicks here, I mean Luca's incredible. We always we always love to talk about Luca. 
to get back on track here though. Um, it just goes back to the way this guy coaches basketball, Thibodeau, this, this, this style of coaching where he just it puts a certain cap on your potential with the way he plays right. uh, a certain number of guys, just far too many minutes. For example, in this loss, Emmanuel quickly, 50 minutes played. Granted, it, oh went my God. it went overtime, but yeah, 50 minutes. And keep in mind, Barrett went out really early in this game with the laceration on the finger, I believe. Uh, nonetheless, that still doesn't justify some of these minutes. Quentin Grimes, 48 minutes. What? Julius Randle, 44 minutes. I'm sorry. Any basketball team playing Julius Randle, 44 minutes is in trouble. Mitchell Robinson. Quentin Grimes, 48 minutes. Yes. Mitchell Robinson, 36 minutes. Miles McBride. First off, who? <laughs> 46 minutes. I mean, he's known in New York for sure. It's just, it's insane. And then furthermore, dude, okay, so you're, you're obviously trying to make the playoffs. You're trying to make a playoff run. You're trying to win a playoff series for sure. Yeah. As of right now, you've made it once in the playoffs with this Tom Thibodeau iteration of the Knicks and you were eliminated in the first round embarrassingly so by Trey Young by Trey Young of all people <laughs> of all fucking people so it hasn't looked great you're currently sitting in the eighth seed you have some muddiness in your roster I think there's For probably sure. some moves that need to be done there too but I think what's more pertinent is this Thibodeau situation because it's not like this guy is an elite playoff basketball coach. I looked into it, dude. It, this ain't the guy that's going to get you over the hump. As a head coach, he's holding a 25 and 36 playoff record, ranking 105th in the playoff win percentage in NBA history, having only won four playoff series in total. Oh, man. It's not great. I mean, it's not like horrendous. I mean, my mind goes right to the rookie Derrick Rose and early prime. Derrick Rose years in Chicago and the, the team with, with Joaquin Noah and Taj Gibson and you know, all right. those guys, it's like, Oh my God, those were the teams he was running with. And yeah, they didn't, they never could have playoff success because of one guy, usually LeBron James, <laughs> but I mean, that's not their fault, but no, yeah, people Thibodeau is not the guy. guy. Exactly. And Thibodeau definitely is one of those people especially because he was a defensive coach on the Boston Celtics before he became the head coach in Chicago. Yeah. I just thought looking into that further, I just, it just reaffirmed it even more for me. Cause I'm like, this is a team that's aspiring to be in the playoffs. And right now they're on right. the verge of dropping out of the play. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're in the eighth seed right now, but like a couple of bad games and you're, you're, you're not looking too hot at all. Well, the crazy thing about the Knicks is that before this slide, they'd won seven games in a row. I remember that being a thing. People were like, eight oh games. God, yeah, yeah, eight games in a row. Like, they just, people were bringing that up, like, oh, the Knicks are like kind of vibing right now. They look, and really guess who what didn't hype games. them up for it? Their fucking coach. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, Did you hear his quote about it? No, he was probably like, we're not, what kind of, I don't know. He was literally basically like, we can't get excited about things like that. It's like, no wonder everyone hates you. Yeah. Just a bad <laughs> vibe all around. 
No wonder RJ Barrett won't get into shape. Crotchety old man, dude. Yeah, it's bad for them. It's pretty bad for them right now. They have plenty of good NBA players on their roster. That's the problem. They have plenty of good NBA players. And they have room to move assets if they wanted to. Exactly. But please, God, don't. Here's here, I'll throw a part two to this resolution. Don't make a panic trade for Trey Young. Because that rumor's floating out there. Please don't do that, New York. Who would they do? Brunson? All of a sudden, they're like, bye-bye, Brunson. No. This, uh, in this hypothetical world, people are saying Brunson stays. Okay, then they send Randall and Robinson and I guess New York or I guess Atlanta wants Barrett, maybe. Maybe. I mean, they're probably thinking, hoping they can keep Barrett. Just nonetheless, please, New York, don't do that. Or Stephen A. Speaking of the Atlanta Hawks real quick, I want to throw one thing in here that I was daydreaming about earlier. Did John say Murray as the two guard on the Portland Trailblazers? So in your hypothetical world, Trey Young stays. They moved DeJounte instead, which would just be ridiculous considering the draft capital they gave up for him. Yep. But desperate nonetheless, apparently, allegedly so. Uh, God, I don't know if you could think of a better guard right now to put next to Dame Lillard. Is it not what we've always uh, wanted? Smart. Huh? Well, I think Marcus Smart is the secret natural fit next to Damian Lillard. That's fair, but isn't DeJounte offer you a decent bit of the same thing with higher potential and finishing at the rim way. Yeah. Way more bouncy than any two guard. I mean, (laughs) I was just choked for some reason. I mean, he's a nice lengthy guard that you've always wanted. Yeah. I mean, Ant is the guy who has some of the most bounce in the league right now. I mean, he won the dunk contest two years ago. His vertical is pretty nice, but he just doesn't dunk that much. I don't know. DeJounte would just bring such a different edge than I feel like Ant does at the two right now because Ant starting at the two just scares me, (laughs) frankly. Yeah, I just don't think that's... I don't know. It just reminds me very much of what they've always been doing in this Damian Lillard run. It's just 2.0 with CJ. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Except Ant's well, maybe a little bit more athletic. A lot a bit more athletic, probably. Yeah. Just more bouncy in general. Ant's bouncy and DeJounte is springy. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. I would love that fit, but... I think it would be a nice fit, though. All right, go ahead and throw out your next one here. So... This one is for the Denver Nuggets. Become an elite defense. Please. How, Become though? <laughs> I, I mean, look at their roster top to bottom. They have guys that are able to be competent defenders. Competent one-on-one defenders. Like, I don't know. Like, Honestly, man, sometimes I wonder if Michael Malone is really their guy. Well, Frank Vogel's floating out there. I mean... Yeah, there's, I mean, that's our dream prospects for about every team right now because there's also Quinn Snyder. Quinn Snyder, I don't know. Because, well, maybe. There's also Ime Udoka. Oh, that would be, 
absolutely heavenly pick for them, being able to unlock the defensive potential of Nikola Jokic, like turn him into Al Horford 2.0, essentially, on defense. I feel like these guys really like Mike Malone, though. They do, and I vibe with Mike Malone, too. I feel like he is a great guy, and he's probably more of a player's coach because, like, he just always seems like a guy that has great quotes on deck and is ready to, like, say something inspirational. But, like... He always looks pretty positive with his players, too. Right. And, you know, he has good relationships. But, like, sometimes from the outside, you're like... It just doesn't feel like, for some reason, the rotations are always completely sharp. And, and that's a reality you have to face as an organization too, as like, as well as great of a guy as this man might be and how great of a player's coach he is. Like if he's not absolutely maximizing the full potential of the lineups that you have available to you, when your ultimate goal here is to absolutely win a championship, I mean, they're in a window right now. Right. Like, right. You, you might be onto something here. Like he might not be the guy. It's just, yeah. It, at some point, it's like, you, I feel like you need a coach that has deep playoff experience that can just get to all these guys because all these guys are pretty much on the same wave. They're all younger. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they're all below 28. Like, you need a guy that's had playoff experience that can just get them ready and know what kind of role that they really, truly need to be. Because part of me is like, is Jamal a one or a two? I mean, he does get a lot of assists and he's got better at passing, but sometimes I watch him on offense and I'm like, he just moves like a two. I mean, he's practically playing the two guard position, especially when he's running off of Jokic. But it's like when he's running off of Jokic, so he's just playing guard. It's not even like he's defined out there. That's I love the when part. they just run him off of screens on the perimeter with Jokic so do I. playing out of the high post. Just cutting right to the basket and stuff. Jamal is absolutely excellent at that. Or, or catch and shoots off the, uh, off the screen. Yes. Yes. I know. I know. I am. So he starts looking like Steph sometimes, dude. Does he not? He does because he goes for the silly fadeaways too. You know, like he wants the goofy stuff. They, they do. It is going to be a problem. I know I keep kind of playing it off when you mention it, but you've been mentioning it now the last couple episodes, like, that defense is going to be a problem when they get to the playoffs and their, their offense is fucking insane right now. Stellar. Yeah, absolutely. Stellar. Did you see, um, Cantavius uh, Caldwell Pope's stat line the other night? He I had 20 points on eight of eight shooting or something wow. like that. Eight of eight shooting and made all of his free throws as well. It might not even have been eight of eight, but like he made all of his threes, all of his twos, and his free and his free throws. And, and to your point, there's one of those guys that they got to think that, hey, this is going to be a real boost to our defense. That's what I'm wondering, though, bro. Is that when it comes down to playoff offense, these guys can play man to man. Right. And when it comes down to it, that's really the backbone of what you're playing, unless you're playing against some demigod like Steph Curry, where you have to play box and one, a high school defense. Right. Like Nick Nurse is special. Yeah, the Nick Nurse special. <laughs> but then has been secretly used forever since. Like, the Raptors reinvented that defense for the entire NBA against right. Steph Curry. But, I mean, yeah. Like, the defensive numbers are always going to be there for Jokic because his plus-minus is just so absolutely nuts that 
he's created his own gravitational force on these advanced statistics. Like, but when you watch the eye test, he, he still is pretty flat footed. Mm-hmm. He's pretty flat footed on defense. And he, I mean, even on offense, he relies a lot of very, very, very tight pirouettes on his feet. And like, that's where the Sambor shuffle comes from and everything, you know, like this ridiculous telephone booth style fadeaway jump shot. Like, right. You'd like to see more of that fluidity on defense. Right. But like when I see it on defense, though, I'm like, he really is just doing what he can do. Like it just, it turns more into him of being a turnstile underneath the basket. And like when he's being drove at, like when you think I mean, about like a Devin Booker coming at him, and you're like, that's still a problem. Yeah, it's a problem for sure. I mean, getting Jokic switched onto any guards in the playoffs is going to be a problem, and they're always going to be at risk for that. Paul, but, Booker. But the thing is, though, is the Celtics specialty as well is where you do bailout switches, where if some guy is stuck on an island by himself, you make sure to scheme and get that guy off of him and switch him out before the attack starts. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, can Denver do that? Can they do that with Aaron Gordon? Can they do that with fluidity with Michael Porter Jr.? Like, God, you know, I know they like, with Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> I, know, I know. I think like, Aaron Gordon could hold his own, but not Michael Porter Jr. And that's where KCP, yeah. KCP and Bruce Brown and Jamal Murray are going to have to be the one through three that you're leaning on in the playoffs. And they're really going to have to step up. Yeah, because KCP and Bruce Brown are automatically undersized but like their wingspan just makes up for it i don't know it's gonna this is gonna take some buy-in man the only way this denver offense could get any better honestly is if they could get like a 31 year old danny green in the mix here like the toronto raptors ring year danny green in the mix like that would absolutely top off the rotation like certainly not bubble danny green no not bubble danny green yeah not uh hip injury danny green Alrighty, I'll go ahead and throw out my last one here. The Chicago Bulls trade Zach Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan to the highest bidders. You think it's time? Just do it. At least one of the two. And honestly, with how much Zach Levine is going to be owed, I, I almost think you do Levine. I think if anything, you should move Levine and Vucevic and yes I don't know though because Vuce has got to go too I agree are you starting to get the feeling that DeMar is rubbing people the wrong way in the Chicago locker room I'm starting to think Zach Levine Zach Levine's the real problem yes because I thought I was hearing chirping around how DeMar has long isolation possessions and people weren't really like vibing with that but then like I wonder about Levine sometimes though too because I'm like I don't think Levine gets along with the organization. Right. I mean, I think he's made that kind of apparent, though, hasn't he? He made some kind of really dubious statement the other day that was just kind of, you know, throwing direct shade. Yeah, he said, oh, me and DeMar are just fine. That's basically what he said. So they're obviously not fine. (laughs) Well, he inferred that him and DeMar get along just fine and that it was more organizational. Yeah, it's just that's so strange. Well, before he got this contract, man, remember he was talking, oh, I just want my respect. Okay, and now now where are we at? Step up and earn that respect. You got the bag. Exactly. And that's what kind of sucks about having to trade him, though, because I'm like, someone could wax them right now, low-key. Right. 
getting Levine and Vucevic as a return as a you know playoff contender that already has a nice core set up, aka the Miami Heat, like, like I, you know, like it would be perfect. So he's 22, four and four right now, shooting 46 from the field, 38 from three, 82 from the line with an effective of 54. This guy's not pulling a Don Mitchell Hall, though. Right. I mean, probably for his ego, he should, but it sounds like, but. I mean, the obvious teams are the Lakers, the Knicks, Miami. I mean, would Dude, Philly be interested? I, no, I don't think Philly's interested. You want to know what my New Year's resolution for them was real quick? What's that? Find out if either Maxi or Harden is your second best player. <laughs> I think we both know the answer to that question. Uh, gets uncomfortable. And we don't want to admit it. Yep. And he gets uncomfortable. Oh, but yeah, no, wait a minute. He had 21 assists the other night. I'm saying James Harden is, assists. and I don't want to admit it. Oh, uh, yeah. By all logical standpoints, he is. But like, if he's not that guy in the playoffs, and Maxi just is still in stride, right? I don't know. That's Where could you see Levine landing, though? I feel like a team that would be foolhardy enough to get him would be Dallas. I think Dallas and Levine is a nice fit. I also think that. Um, Would you want him in Portland? No. No, he's not what I need in Portland. And if I'm doing that for Portland, I'm only giving up Ant Simons. That is it. They are not gutting our bench for Zach Levine. I think New York would move on him. You think New York would? They trade Cam yeah. Reddish, you know the Cam Reddish package. They trade Fournier. I, I think Randall could go too in that situation. No, they want Randall, bro. They want him. Randall's in the best shape of his life. Randall is in great shape this season. He's playing well. Like him and Brunson, they got something going on. Like as shitty as the rest of the team seems, and just as inconsistent as they can be, watching Brunson and him move together is becoming something. So, I mean, I like idealistically, I was trying to think of trades for Randall because of how low his stock was before the season. But now, like, watching him, I'm like, he's their best player. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he's realistically their best player. Like, he's averaging 24, 7, and like 4. Yeah, but look at like where that. you are with him as your best player. Yeah, I know. You're the Maybe eighth. That's team. always the downside. I don't know. Like, Levine, just, Levine's making a lot of money, and I think that's what makes it tough. Demar, God, Demar would get, be getting a lot of phone calls. You think so? Yeah, I think, I think a lot Miami's of teams calling. would be ready to lowball for Demar, though. Huh? I think a lot of teams would be ready to lowball for Demar, though. Because I, I think teams 34. are going to try to lowball, but I don't think they'd be able to. I just, I don't know, like Levine. As a shooter, he's a natural fit on any team that needs a shooter, which is the entire NBA. It's just like, how willing is he to become more of a spot-up threat than a guy who can work out of the mid-range, too? I mean, you don't want to completely take that away from him because you need guys like that who can get you a bucket in the playoff series. But it's like, you're 
you you go to the Lakers, you need to be spotting up most of the time. Yeah. Right. No, the Lakers would will use him to handle the ball. Pick They're going to use too. him to initiate a lot of plays. And that'll keep him happy, I guess. But, like, I don't know. Like, there's no way. Like, the Lakers are just that desperate for playmaking, though. They'll be like, okay, Zach Levine, you actually did play point guard in college. So, <laughs> Here's a bright idea. Let's let the greatest fucking point forward of all time be our point guard. I know. I know. It'll never happen again. Even though it's the most logical idea. Is that Anthony Davis is your four, LeBron's your one. You pick two wings and one center and put that in there. Literally won them a championship. Yeah, it won the fucking do it, dude. <laughs> that was brought they? up on the low post from uh, Saturday too. Was that yeah. they literally have a had a formula and abandoned it, completely yeah. abandoned it. Yeah, made no sense. Oh, pathetic. My God. Damar, do you have any ideas for Damar, though? Um, it's just like, who's going to want to bite? Who needs that much more extra push and scoring and wants to give up something for it? Like, I don't think Brooklyn's going to be making any real trades unless it's for size and they can get a nice center route. God, Brooklyn would just, their offense would just be unstoppable with DeMar, even more so. I don't know. I, I kind of can't believe that there hasn't been a little bit of rapport between Vucevic, getting Vucevic from the Bulls for the Nets to play 24 minutes as their big man and be better so than... bad on defense, though, dude. He's, bro, he's bad on defense, but think about this. They were working with the shell, shell of LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, and Blake Griffin. Yeah, and Blake Griffin. Like, and Vucevic is alive. He is alive. <laughs> like, he is able to move and, like... He might be nearing shell status, though. I don't know. But, like, having him being able to stretch the floor and move Claxton to the four and let him guard fours, like, I don't know, dude. Like, I just... I think about that. I'm like, that can't be that bad. I don't know. I wouldn't like then, it. I don't want Levine in there. Let's bring this up, actually. Toronto Raptors? They want Zach Levine as their point guard? I mean, or do they want Zach Levine as a two-way guard? Or as their shooting guard and let Scotty Barnes be the facilitator? I feel like the reason Scotty Barnes is slumping so hard is because they're looking for him to score the ball. I mean, Levine's almost undeniably a 2-3. I think he's more of a two, definitely. He's yeah, you can get away enough. with him on the three, though, depending on what, who the rest of your defensive players are. Yeah. So, in that situation, I feel like Toronto wants another point guard. And if they don't want Andre Drummond, I think Toronto would take him as well. So, maybe they want Levine and Drummond. Cause that rounds out size pretty well for them. And Drummond's just being, they play him like between 13 and 17 minutes every night. That's it. I feel like they're just underutilizing him in condition. Like you, you can play him at least 28 minutes a game. I feel like, mm-hmm. even though he's just, <laughs> bad, arguably. but as a five on Toronto, he, I feel like he would be a great fit there as just being able to really rebound the ball. 
But like, I don't know. That's such a tough trade market for Zach Levine. I feel like that's why it hasn't happened yet. And DeMar, I feel like it's kind of a hard sell too, because you know, he's not going to be that reliable of a playoff scorer. Except for maybe one game. They both are getting paid too. So they got a heavy bag attached to them. It's just sad because I think none of this would be happening if Lonzo Ball was healthy and playing basketball with this team. Yep, you're right because he was the connector between those two. Mm-hmm. And, and then a they had a damn good one in there. Exactly. Yes, a damn good one. Not a traditional half court point guard, but connected between two elite isolation wing scorers. Yeah, and I'm just starting to wonder what this guy's going to be like after he does come back. Oh man, I'm worried for Lonzo. To be quite honest with you, I'm really worried for him. He finally seemed to be hitting a stride, and now it's just like, damn, two years now. It's just gonna be and rough. He, his three point was starting to look nice too. He was starting to look nice as a spot up threat. Yep, changed his shot and everything. Sad. All right, Adam, go ahead and throw out your last one here. I'll throw this one out here just for fun because it's not one of my official ones. Indiana better be in it to make Halliburton this level of happy for the next few years. And they could turn into a secret four seed. They could turn into a secret New Orleans Pelicans. Him and Matherin both. Yeah, exactly. Keep Matherin as your six man and then run this line where you have two great guards and Nemhard and Duarte. And then I mean, Matherin's going to be a starter, dude. And then, I mean, you got Buddy Heald there too. He's coming off. I feel like Buddy Heald likes his role in Indiana. Dude, they're talking about extended Miles Turner. Yep, and they should do it. Why shouldn't they do that? He fits their system. Like, he's going to, he's fitting in well. Like, they have their bigs. Like, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of good things going on in Indiana with this team, with Halliburton blossoming. How old is he? Is he 22 or 23? Uh, younger look right now. They're sitting in the sixth seed, though, at 20, 20 and 17. Now, that is the problem, though, is that will Indiana really ever push past that four seed spot and lose in the first or the second round of the playoffs every year? Right. So, I mean, there's chances of getting back into that hell with this young core unless or they will get Halliburton, special. Will ha- or will Halliburton, Matherin, and potentially someone else is your third option to get you over the hump in three or four years. Exactly. And Will that win sudden, you a championship? Because realistically, how long do you think Boston's going to be able to keep it together with this ridiculous core of players? I feel like they are so oversaturated that somebody is going to want to get really paid at some point. Like Derek Isn't Brown up next year. Um, I don't know. Or is um, it two years? It's probably two years. I feel like Brown is going to, Brown's going to be getting the bag. Brown's going to try to go get a bag, dude. He should too. Like Brown to Milwaukee. Oh my God. Are you now? Cause at that point, Chris wow. Middleton and Drew, Drew Holiday yeah. are over the hill. You bring in Jalen Brown to run with Giannis. Oh my God. Oh man. Oh wow. 28 million this year and 30 million next year. And that's it. Brown's How great would that be, Giannis and Jalen Brown? Would be insane. Would be absolutely insane. Let's see who else here for Boston. I mean, right now, Derek White's making $16 million. That's not bad for him, though. Robert Williams is making $11 million, and you know he's getting the bag thrown at him. 
he's going to be making at least 90 to 110 million. You know, what's crazy too, is I think they'd pay him before they paid Brown. Williams? No. If they win a championship this year, if they win the chip this oh, year, that's bro, different. they have to throw That's it different. I'm assuming they're not winning the chip. You're assuming they're not? Okay. I'm assuming Giannis winning the next two. Which know. just leaves Jalen Brown no choice but to jump ship. Al Horford's making $26.5 million this year. Isn't that nuts? Let's see when he's on the books for. He might retire. When you look he's at Indiana, when you look at Indiana, I mean, they're going to have to do it with these guys because it's not like they're going star hunting in free agency. Right. Yeah, that's true. They're going to be wanting to build. Who, well, who's going to go to Indiana? I don't know. If you've got Tyrese Halliburton playing for you and you're like, hey, we can win. And you got a good core around you. Bradley Beal. Eh. Eh. Now, Bradley Beal's contract is honestly too fucking huge to even think about moving, I feel like. Like, it doesn't even make rational sense. And he has all the leveraging power in it. Exactly. I don't think he's going anywhere for the rest of his career. He's just going to be there. Let's see here. I just, I like this roster when I look at them. Like, I don't like Indiana, they're just filled with a bunch of really good wings that I feel like they could, you know, find that defensive system that works for them and fight to that top five seed, be the New Orleans Pelicans of the East. And upset someone in the first round? Maybe. The problem is, though, is that guess how much Tyrese Halliburton is making this year? $4 million. Wow. $4 million. He's going to keep Matherin, paid. as a rookie, is, get, is making 6.5. Highest played play, player on the team is Buddy Heald at 21. Like, Tyrese Halliburton at $4.2 million this season. Let's see. 20.9 points per game, 10.2 assists, 40% from three, 48% from the field overall, and 87% from the line. It's not bad. He's got a player option, and he's going to be making $5.8 million next year, too. So he is on the books for a great deal. And then, yeah, they're bagging him after that. He's going to be... If he keeps it up into next year, he's going to be 150, 160 range for five years. Just an insane amount of money. Right, just something nuts. Happy for him, though. Tyrese, he's great. I am on his bandwagon. All right, well, that will do it here for us. That was our New Year's special edition here of the Hoop Forum, bringing you some New Year's resolutions for some teams here. Uh, We do appreciate all listeners. uh, As always, rate, review, download, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Um, Also, stay tuned to all the other shows on the Dip Podcast Network. Uh, Stay engaged with us on social media at the Dip Network. Love to hear your feedback. Love to see engagement across those social media. So always stay tapped in. We're bringing you weekly content about sports, society, culture, movies, music, and much more. Never miss. We're here for you. Adam Elder, one more take. The Atlanta Hawks will be the first team to make a trade. Whether it's Collins, whether it's Trey, whether it's DeJounte, whether it's... Whether it's anybody. I don't think they can trade DeJounte. 
though with him being traded in the offseason. But right. yeah, I feel like what's their other guy? Uh, Hunter. Yep, Hunter. Uh, yeah, I would look at that as well. They bagged him up. Capella. Yeah, Capella would be nice on a contender as well. They got options if they want to make it. would moves. be nice on Golden State as a backup. <laughs> um, Dallas better be picking yeah. up the phone. Yeah. Capella could just play for two pivotal <laughs> Texas teams. It would be great. That would be great. One more take for me. One more take. I'm going to be hot. I'm going to be a stand. I'm going to come in hot. You know, I love me some Dallas Mavericks basketball. I think the Mavericks are going to finish in the four seed again this year. That's hot. I think it is hot because a lot of people were saying they were going to miss the play in this season or they were going to miss the playoffs this season. It'd be a play in team. Yeah. Shit, some people were saying that about them last season and they cracked the four seed. Oh yeah. yeah. They had a rough start to the season here. I mean, Luke has been phenomenal pretty much nonstop. But they're they're starting to catch some wind here. They're sitting in the fourth seed right now. I just I think that's their new home. For a couple of years, it was like the seven and the six seed was their home. And I think their new home is the fourth seed. I think they're here. I think Luca has arrived as one of these top guys in the Western Conference. And it's just he's gonna he he can get you there. Right. Yep. He's the ticket. All right, we're out. Peace.